You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast sponsored by Lono Coffee. Visit LonoCoffee.com, use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. And by Dizzy Pig Barbecue, visit DizzyPigBarbecue.com, use coupon TIME15, K-E-I-M-15 for 15% off your order shipped in the U.S. Today, a special guest, Hall of Fame corner Daryl Green, who talk about the current Washington team, his take on quarterback Dwayne Haskins, how did a dreadful start under Marty Schottenheimer get turned around? Yes, maybe there's a correlation. We also talk about his work with Halodyne and the Centene Corporation, and his desire to run the 40-yard dash again. When might that happen? And then I answer your Therapy Thursday questions. Don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. Also, Check out my podcast from Wednesday with ESPN's Jordan Ronan and former NFL scout Tyler Roman. We talk about the upcoming Giants game and fantasy football. And now, here's my conversation with Hall of Fame corner Daryl Green. As always, Daryl, I appreciate you joining me, and I want to get into in a few minutes what you're doing with Halodyne and the Centene Corp and all that, but I do want to start with the Washington football team and just get your thoughts on some things. And you were around in a very tough year when Marty Schottenheimer was here and they start off, you guys were 0 and 5 and it looked really, really bad. And you turn it around. And I know, you know, from at the time that you had some issues and some of the veterans had some issues with how he was doing things, but you guys turn it around. How did you turn it around and what kind of advice could you give to this current team to get out of this kind of a mess? Well, I don't know how well we turned it around. I don't know what our record was, but we were 0-5. And, and I think <clears throat> what turned it around is um, they put me in as a starter. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, it was a whole lot of stuff during that time. I'm serious. It was. Uh, you know, he, he had some ideas. And I, truthfully, I was thinking about this. <clears throat> the thing that frustrated me a little bit the other day was this whole idea that the potential for uh, Coach Rivera to be, and I don't know that this is true, I'm just saying it, I was just thinking of that, <clears throat> that the influence of this community or the media in this community versus Carolina, uh, this is a big dog community. <laughs> you know, and I, I know last week I was talking to somebody about it and it's like, you know, <clears throat> they were saying that he, how he answered their questions. And I thought it was respectful <clears throat> that he, the way he answered the question, but I thought that he has to be careful that these folks who are very aggressive here in media don't really get in there and start to influence him. And I thought about it, the reason why I thought about it, because it was just the opposite with, with Schottenheimer. Schottenheimer didn't show any respect to us as locals, media, fans, team, nobody, me included. <clears throat> and so there's this balance in coming to this market <clears throat> where you got to, and this is no knock on our media because media, you do your job. That's why I've been have great relationships with all, all of you guys because I respect you and your job. You were coming to work just like I was coming to work. We just had two different objectives in our jobs, but I tried to help you do yours, you know, as well. So I just think that for him, <clears throat> be careful because it's never going to stop. People are going to always have a big opinion here, but stay to your guns. That said, and here I am, I'm doing the same thing like a media person. I, I would have kept that kid in there, particularly because of what he had, what he had to go to. And <clears throat> I don't know how a kid who is not playing is going to get better at playing. So that was just my opinion. And I saw that 
I felt that people were going to press him and press him. Hey, are you going to, what are you going to do? Are you going to do anything? And maybe, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I sound like a media guy myself. He's probably mad at me, but <clears throat> it was just a thought that I had about the come the, the, how I looked at him and Schottenheimer. Schottenheimer didn't give a crap about any of us. You know, that's just the truth. And this guy has extraordinary respect for all of us. And that's a balance there. And so, uh, you know, in terms of trying to turn the team around, I think what the coach has to do is stick to his guns. He's done it before. Uh, none of us have done it from his position. He's done it before. Just do what you do. That's what I did. Wax on, wax off. Just do what you do. What's it? Because you were around some great teams and some teams that struggled. What's the difference? What makes the difference between those two teams, those kind of situations? The leadership at the top and the individual character of the people, of the players. Now, of course, the talent, but the leadership has the strategy and then the character of the players with their talent fall into that. That's what makes you one. That's what makes you one unit. And if you don't have any talent, of course, you can't win. If you have great talent with bad integrity character, then you can't win. If you have no leadership with talent, you can't win. So all those things have to have, in my opinion, when we were successful, Joe Gibbs had great character and leadership and strategy. We had great skill and character to to combine together, and and we all believe the same way. And so we were just successful. It wasn't any beating your chest or whatever, but we were we just we had that formula from the top down. Everybody was respected. The the third string long snapper, you know, R five on the kickoff team player was as respected and and valued as the the star quarterback and um, the respect the coaches had for one another and and for the players and vice versa. That's a unique thing. That that leadership, I have a, a message that I do in the corporate arena called leadership is always in play. And I give some examples of, <clears throat> of that from my, my football career where leadership is never timed out. It's never, it's always in play, even when it's, when you are not getting what you want, if you're a leader, you you have to lead. You just you can't go time out on leadership. This is personal. I'm not going to do it. Well, if it's personal, then you need to be you need to maintain the character of your leadership. So um, leadership is key, but um, it's a lot here. It's a lot here when you play in Washington. And, and it not only just because, but more importantly, are equally uh, because of the last five, 10, 15, whatever, 20 years that we've been dealing with. So it's not an easy ride here, um, but this is a championship city and this is a championship team. It's a championship. We have a championship pedigree. We have a championship community. Uh, and so it's here. It's here. Winning is available here. Winning can get done here. So we just got to position ourselves for that. It's got to be weird when you say it's been t- almost 20 years. It's got to be weird for somebody who was here for such a long period of success. And where you know what you mean to the community, what this team has meant, you know what it means to say that it's been 10, 20 years since it was like that. Well, before I came here, you know, in the 70s, it, was, it wasn't big championships every year, but it was still the, the spirit of winning and success, the spirit of unity, uh, and, and the, uh, that's why I talked about the pedigree, and it was still, we were actually living, Joe Gibbs, we inherited foundation uh, that was easy to, uh, that we were capable to build on to win. So, you know, if you go back in the 70s, uh, they were building something, uh, uh, you know, that, that um, what's the old coach, uh, uh, George Allen? George Allen was, was building something that Joe Gibbs was able to, to, to build up on. <clears throat> and I think that, that that foundation is still up under there. And I think it's, it's 
you don't be surprised when we win nobody should be surprised because we are a winning community we are a winning team we have it in us it's in our lineage we just have to tap into it uh and put those things in place they're not we don't have to build nothing new we have to tap into what was already built so you brought up Dwayne haskins earlier what regardless what anybody thinks of the situation, he finds himself in the spot he's in now. He is now the number three quarterback. What would you tell him how he needs to handle his current situation? Yeah. Uh, and, and it seems like he's doing it. I haven't heard much from him, but that, that was a little bit of, of, of that's something good about this move at, a, at a, a little bit of a level, because I think Dwayne, you know, needed to get knocked down a little bit and now, and then re, reset. Uh, because he never really kind of came across as that humble rookie. You know, he was this mad rookie that I should have got drafted earlier and, you know, and, and all that stuff. I think now he can come back. Okay, that's done with, you know, I'm a pro now. All right, now. And then now I've got knocked down. Now, you know what? If it was me, I'd bring him back this week. He'd start this week if it was mine, if it was my team because – that may just be all he needed, just just that readjustment, just that one little reset in his mind, you know, to say, you know what, I got this. But take your little chip off your shoulder and come back in humility and just go out there and have fun and do what you do. That's what got you here. So this may be good for him, but I don't think this is good for him for – here I am talking like a media guy. Sorry, Coach. I'm just talking. This is my buddy, John, and we're just having a conversation. <laughs> But you know, I think that I would go back to him sooner than later. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put him on ice. <clears throat> I just wouldn't. I just think that I'd go back with him. I'd say, okay, you you kind of you you got it. You got it now. Okay, coach, I got it. I got it. You good? You good? Go back in there. And let's go do this thing. Let's go do this thing. You're you're our guy. Let's go. And you know, see what happens. You know, and maybe maybe that might be what he was going to do. And maybe because of the injuries, that may be what it ends up being anyway. But I think that I would go back with him sooner than later because he needed to make some adjustments, psych, mental adjustments, uh, a little bit of a tone down in his, you know. <clears throat> and, and I know that he's a great leader. They, they, you know, you get that out of it. But that's that little, you know, it's different than having that swag and, and a chip and a swag chip and a little bit of, uh, unnecessary arrogance. So keep the swag, keep the chip, but the unnecessary arrogance, so that you can, so that you can hear well, so you can be, you can be here, you can be conscious, and you can be able to hear well, and and you know, forget about what people are saying. Even you know, he'll 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 hear me saying this, and he'll agree with something, he'll disagree with something, but know how to process that. Don't take it any further with the speaker. You know, just, okay, I hear that. It's processing. It's processing. You know, <clears throat> I was telling somebody the other day that, you know, I had a 10-second rule. If the guy caught the ball on me or if I did something great, I could only celebrate 10 seconds. I think it was 30 seconds between plays, 20, 30 seconds between plays. Either way, good or bad, I only have 10 seconds. If John Kime said something bad about me, hey, 10 seconds, respect that, listen to it. And then I'm done with it. I got to get back focused on what I really have done because it's really about me and my family and my life. It's not about me taking home what John Kahn said and, and, you know, and letting it take me out of my, out of my game. So, you know, I think that in my opinion, <clears throat> you know, this could turn out good if they respond, you know, the timing of it is very important. Everybody was happy for Smith to get out there. I don't know if Smith is the future, I don't know if the other kid is the future. If this kid is the future, uh, uh, Haskins is the future, man. All right, let's go. Haskins, we sat you down. You you got a chance to maybe be mad for 10 minutes, pay attention and learn for 10 minutes, and readjust and come back and let's go. Um, last one before I get to the other stuff, too. And um, I also <laughs> want to ask you about your 40 time in a minute. But w when you – I don't know how much you've been able to watch them what have been your impressions of the defense? There was a lot of high expectations for them. Hasn't been playing out that way. What are your what have your thoughts on their defense so far? I thought that 
the defense has been, I think, first of all, we started off with Philly. I think that, you know, Paul Harvey, the rest of the story was not told and that that old line wasn't the old line, you know, that they could have been in Philadelphia for Philadelphia. So our young dogs got in there and they saw a wounded dog and they, they went to, went to work. <clears throat> I think that, you know, we don't want to let that fool us. We want to take advantage of that and grow from it, but we don't want to listen to the hype and think we're better than we really are. We're just, we're young, we're still hungry and let's keep going. And so <clears throat> I think that that probably was a part of the decision said, man, we're playing good enough defense because you're both defensive coaches. We're playing good defense, man. We got to get, you know, we got to get this. Let's get something going with this offense. You know, defense has still got to keep getting better anyway. Uh, you know, you're not shutting people out. You're not the, you're not, you know, and both of those guys are familiar with, they're not the 85 Bears. <clears throat> uh, so, but I, I do think that they're led by the defensive line, which, you know, this, get, this is going to be, in my opinion, it has ability to be a great defensive line. Linebackers are upgraded, <clears throat> and then obviously the secondary's got to, got to you know keep keep their peace. But I don't. But I think making a decision for the whole team just based on the strength of the defense, uh, I don't think the defense is that strong yet. You, you know, if you're the '85 Bears, man, you do whatever you want to do on offense. You know, put anybody back there, but <clears throat> um, you know they need to stay balanced. That hey, the defense, you know. They, 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 they're not killing. They doing good, uh, you know, but they're not killing, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm more critical than most on the defensive side of the ball, particularly in the secondary. But I, I like, I like, I love them. I love those young guys. Uh, they, they, you know, they, they're going to be around. They remind us of a lot of guys that we've seen, the Dexter Manleys and Dave Butts and Charles Mann. So, you know, they, they've got the potential there. It's just not, uh, uh, you know, eating no cake before the cameras are blown out, you know. Um, but, no, they, they've got a great – the defense is, is, is really doing a good job. But, they, you know, they're not there. You guys are not there yet. So let's maintain one team. Let's maintain ourselves as one team. Let's not be Buddy Ryan-led uh, 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 type of team either. You know, speaking of the Bears, he was with the Bears too. <laughs> let's not be Buddy Ryan in our thoughts. Let's be one team – you know, let's have respect and keep us, keep ourselves together. That's very important. That's a very uh, sticky line to, to, to travel down. If you start to, you know, start this, you know, that can be, that's where leadership comes in. And right. I'm not saying that they are doing that, but that's where those are things that I would be looking at uh, with my, with my history, with what I know. I'd be paying attention, man. I'd be paying attention to any little sound I hear that can, that could, you know, that's the way Joe Gibbs was. Joe Gibbs, you know, Joe Gibbs, man, he, boy, don't put nothing on the blackboard. Dexter don't say nothing Not crazy. at all. Dude, keep this thing with one team. It's us against the world. And so back to my original point, Coach, don't let this D.C. media and the D.C. people, because we're aggressive people, we're aggressive fans. We love our team. I don't care how long they've been bad. We love our team. And, hey, shh, keep us, keep us. Keep us at bay because we're going to keep screaming. Keep us at bay and do your job. You know your job. You won. You've been big winner on the field and off uh, and as a coach. So go for it. They're going to be all right. You've heard me talking about Lone Oak Coffee for a couple months now. Let me tell you a little bit about who they are and what they're about. Lone Oak Coffee is based in the Shenandoah Valley. Just a nice bunch of people who are open for business during this trying time. Just look at their website, LoneOakCoffee.com, and what do they highlight? Their core values of quality, family, transparency. They work with co-op farmers from all over the world to source their beans. They also support small farmers to find the right beans. During this pandemic, one of my saving graces has been grinding my beans from Lone Oak Coffee and taking a few minutes before the day to savor the coffee, get my mind right, put a little jazz or Frank Sinatra or Louis Armstrong on in the background, even better. I've enjoyed all their blends, but among my favorites, the Ethiopian Guji, love the berry flavor, the Mexican Chiapas, and their house blend. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. You can thank me later.
So let's get into Halodyne. What are you doing with, with Halodyne with the coronavirus and, and, and everything there with the NFL and all that? Tell us about that. So, so the coronavirus is a virus that I'm not a doctor. Let me just say, check with your doctor, you know, all that stuff. So I'm just talking uh, what I understand and what I believe and what I do with Halodyne, H-A-L-O-D-I-N-E, H-A-L-O-D-I-N-E. Uh, and that is that we know that the virus, if the virus is anywhere, the virus came from somebody's nostrils or what they call nasal pharynx or oral pharynx, their throat and their nostrils. That's where it, it enters you. That's why we say cover your mouth and your, and your nose. We know that it domicides there, domiciles if the word is correct here, and we know that it for, I'm using this word, it kind of incubates there. That's where it finds its, its, its germinating process. That's why they say from, you know, anywhere from four to 72 or three, three days, when it gets in there, eventually you're going to have the virus. A tree is going to begin the root. <clears throat> uh, and we say in the protocol, we take tests to tell us if we have it or not. We say, do your, your, uh, you know, wear your gloves and cover your face to keep from getting it. But Holodyne is the only product that in its infancy, before it has become a tree, before it has birthed itself while it's in your nostrils, it can sanitize your nostrils. It's a very low dose uh, medicine that has been uh, with several uh, products that have been specially formulated. Uh, to for to kill this virus sitting in there, this viral particle sitting in there, at a 99.99% rate, <clears throat> and so um, we call we we say we use something called the four Ds. One is distancing. They call it social distancing. But if you can't distance from people, if you can't control the duration of time that you're around people, you're in the grocery store, you're in the wherever the case may be. If you're somewhere where you don't dictate the duration of your time, because what happens in the amount of in time, what they call the viral load, a load, the, the load gets higher. Uh, and also what affects that is the diversification of where we've all come from. I live in this community in Ashburn where my mother-in-law and my brother-in-law and my other brother-in-law and their families, we know kind of where they are. So if we want to get together in the backyard, we can tell you where everybody's been. They know that we're here and they're here. But if everybody, he flew in from there, you drove in from there, then I can't control the diverse aspects of where you come from. So distancing, duration, and then you can't control, you don't understand the diversity of where people are coming from and what the possibility of them having it. Then the fourth D is disinfect. So that's where this whole concept, and it works. And it's the only thing really that I know of in America, if not the world, <clears throat> that I didn't say it will cure your virus. I said it will kill the viral spore that you've been trying to keep from getting in, in, there, in there. And a doctor uh, uh, that was one of the founders of this, he led the COVID team in Connecticut in the hospital there, and he had on everything everything literally last two weeks ago he told me he said i i just come out of 42 operations and he said one of the one of the youngest people died in my arms was a 38 year old woman and he caught the COVID with everything during the protocol his wife caught the COVID at home his eight-year-old his six-year-old his three-year-old they all caught the COVID. these men these chemists these doctors got together and created and developed this formulation uh, uh, and uh, got it FDA registered and got it patent, <clears throat> and they're back in the hospital. He just said, I just did 43, uh, 42 operations on two Fridays ago. So they're back rolling. But there was, you know, you have to have, and our slogan says, a mass is not enough. So it's not enough. It is the, it's a strategy that... I, we all agree. When I have it, I don't walk out the door. She just went to get her hair done. She's got it in her in her nostrils. And the good thing is the hand sanitizer, and I think, and I can't be quoted on this, I think it, it, it'll kill the virus on your hands. You do it in about 15 seconds, but it's probably going to last 30 to 60 seconds. I'm not sure. 
this is this will last in your nostrils and you know, in that cavity there for anywhere from three, four, five hours potentially. Uh, that you can go around and move around, still wear your mask and do your do your process, but you have that extra layer of protection, which is the only thing you get. And then for that, and in that, if you play the saxophone, if you fly an airplane, if you play football and basketball, there's some industries that you can't PPE anyway. <clears throat> so this gives you your only option, but this also, in my opinion, gives you your best option to go along with your your PPE because this is killing that spore uh, as it lies. Uh, before it actually bursts itself and gives you the coronavirus. So uh, the company is, um, we're working with Columbia University, <clears throat> Dr. Colin Knuckles, one of the renowned chemists in the country, <clears throat> uh, introduced to, to uh, the university. And the president said that after, he said in the beginning, he said, obviously, like everybody's very nervous about uh, opening up. But he reported back after three months now, more than three months now, with he's, and this is his quote, with the thousands of people who've entered into the labs at uh, Columbia University in New York, he reports zero cases. <clears throat> We're working with uh, Clemson University. We're working with uh, the Washington football team. They've, they've actually given it to them even prior to their first game. Uh, but we're working very hard to push it out. It's not it's an OTC. It's over the counter. You don't have to have a, um, a prescription. The, the, low, the doses are very low in terms of any kind of medicine in it, <clears throat> but it works. I'm not ever leaving the house without it. And um, it's, it's, it's what we need, and particularly as this thing begins to rise back up. Uh, so I appreciate you. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm on the board there and able to uh, use obviously utilize my influence to try and help um, push the message out to see people see people be successful um that's what i say see people stay safe and healthy so that's 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 what it's all about holodyne h-a-l-o-d-i-n-e dot com check it out give it shoot us a note and and get online and look at it you know <clears throat> people will ask well hey what how much research well you know research uh, is limited in terms of, of time, but the research is there. <clears throat> and, you know, you, you can't, you know, even like with these, uh, uh, the, the things that they're trying to, you know, these, these pharmaceutical companies are trying to get us ready for vaccine. You know, these things take many, many years. But what I can say is that the base of this product has been around 50 some years. So any doctor would, can tell you that they are familiar with this the base of this of this medicine but also uh they they'll recognize that uh this medicine at the at the level of of uh, uh you know the percentage of medicine is very very low in terms of just dosage so it makes it very safe for for people excellent there dale and i also you also do some work with the centene corporation i know you participated in a virtual summit recently about <clears throat> mental health and suicide prevention and all that what, what what can you tell us there? So yeah, about six years ago, Centene Corporation, I actually approached them. Should I say they approached me after they heard me pre my, my presentation with my idea of you know the Youth Life Foundation has been around thirty some years and the Learning Center still exists in the Richmond and the Carolina and Tennessee and different places. But uh, I just had the vision to get out and be uh, try to see how effective I can be at helping the next generation of 13 to 18 year olds. That was kind of my focus. And I was able to share the vision with Centene Corporation, who is a, uh, a one of the world leading healthcare organizations uh, uh, in our country. <clears throat> and we, we launched what we call Strong Youth, Strong Communities. And the goal is to try to focus on that audience that I mentioned and basically with everything related to their lives. You're talking about bullying, you're talking about gun violence. You're talking about fatherlessness. You're talking about mental illness. You're talking about suicide. Everything related to that population in our, in our community, in our country, is what we focus on. And in the last in the last couple of months during the COVID, obviously we've gone the virtual. Our last our last in person was last year in in um, St. Louis, where we had about 1,600 youth 
and <clears throat> very successful there uh, in terms of in terms of how our youngsters uh, responded to our message. And and I do partner with the Pro Football Hall, Hall of Fame as part of our partnership as well. And in that, I invite Aeneas Williams as one of my mainstays, uh, the Hall of Famer, and Anthony Munoz as one of my mainstays as well. And so uh, we we typically uh, uh, we also have a young lady that works with us, Iman McFarland. She's actually people would know her because she was in the NCAA. She won the championship in basketball for the North Carolina Tar Heels. And so <clears throat> we we make our rounds. Uh, uh, and we cover so many subjects, and and we are able to um, reach these young people. And we find what we found over the years that this country is in good shape. You know, people try to give these young kids a bad. You know, one story makes all the apples bad, and that's not true. <clears throat> and so we've been very successful in encouraging them, and more importantly, they encourage us and gives us hope as well, knowing that we are going to be in good shape for the future. We just recently did one with the governor of Ohio, uh, just focused on our general focus. And then we, uh, Dr. Governor DeWine, and then we did one about three weeks ago with the governor Sununu of uh, New Hampshire. And that one was specifically focused on mental health, mental illness, and uh, more more specifically on uh, on, uh, suicide, where they are reporting that between the age of 14 to 44, that population, the second lead, leading cause of death in that population is suicide. And so we were able to speak about that. Aeneas Williams' daughter com- tried to commit suicide. My best friend and his brother committed suicide just about a week or two after I got drafted in 1983. My mom dealt with mental illness. We we are able to ha- talk about different things. And obviously, we have some professionals with us for counsel and support, but we give our stories. And the big thing is, is about trying to dispel the, 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 the stigma around it and let people know that you're not alone and that you should reach out and that we should reach out to them and they can feel free to reach out to us. And I think we're, we're pretty successful. I think that we, we, have, we have success at what we're doing. Uh, and, it's, and it means the world to me. <clears throat> and then um, uh, and, and, and Centene is just an incredible company to to, to support this. And they've already, when I first met them, they were very strong in, in the communities around the, around the country uh, in what they call, we call what we call uh, our stakeholders. So you might talk about a national organization like Big Brothers, Big Sisters, or Urban League, but then you've got these local organizations that me and you may not have heard of, and they're able to grab those and really participate with them and, and help everybody be successful. And, and last but not least, um, uh, George Mason. You know, George Mason. I'm, I'm in the athletic department. I'm in my own teammate, Brad Edwards. Um, <clears throat> my job is primarily to uh, support uh, the, the youth, uh, uh, our players, uh, to support Brad primarily. My job is to support him in any, re- in any aspect. But, you know, <clears throat> from that vantage point is fundraising, uh, highlighting the success of our students, helping them with job placement and and mentorship, uh, uh, you know, I do uh, probably wear a few hats, you know, uh, and sometimes I get to go out and like I did the other day with uh, some potential invest, uh, supporters and play golf. So, uh, uh, you know, my, my life is is under control. I'm, I'm, but what you'll see in my life, I'm only interested in being effective as a, as a man, as a dad, as a husband, as a friend, as a Christian, as a human. I'm not just interested in widgets and fame or money. I've always been interested in human beings. I'm at George Mason. I'm also a part of, uh, in, in the athletic department, I'm a part of our diversity and, con- and con- inclusion. Uh, and those, those, those are the things that are important to me. That, as I said before, when the Washington team was talking about changing their name from the Redskins to something else, <clears throat> I said that, you know, reason why I completely support that move is because if we can get back to this place where human beings who are the most, are the greatest of all of creation, the greatest is not a tree or a whale or a dolphin or a parrot, it's, it's human beings. And if we can get to the point where human beings, no matter who they are, whether they're an infant or 100 years old, whether they're black, white, yellow, or brown, whether they're rich or poor, whether they're 
athlete fame or whatever, uh, then we could, if we make those, that, that sector of our society or of, of human, of, of existence, make the human being the most important element in all of our lives, then we're going to have a chance to be successful. And so for me, I'm only interested in the betterment of human beings, all human beings on whatever level, rather it's join the green team against colorectal cancer, the quit smoking campaign, the COPD campaign, fit for fit, uh, fit for 50 youth life foundation, strong youth, strong communities, church learning. You know, I'm only interested in human being when I die. All I want to say is that, Oh, and they'll say, Oh, and by the way, he used to play football, but I'm only interested in, the betterment of human beings, no matter who they are. And so to all of the, you know, white supremacists or races or African-Americans who are racist or Asians who are racist, any humans who are hateful, then I'm just not down with that because I know that I was born by God, created by God, and I'm going to see God again. I'm not going to be able to live forever. I am not the most important person or thing on this earth. And so I'm just not down with any of that stuff at all. I'm only interested in the truth, righteousness, love, kindness, and goodness. And I don't know how people can fight that stuff. The Bible says you can have all the love you want and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. And you can all that, take all you want, fill your bags up over and over and over. There are no rules on that. There are no limits on that. Uh, but other than that, man, I appreciate you always, and and particularly in this format, you know, that way you'll be able to uh, present it in however you like to present it. But this is this is what I enjoy doing every day, uh, any day that I can. That, that that's great, and and it's always good catching up with you. And of course, one the one thing I want to still want to ask you: What's your forty time? What do you think you can run now? Well, I am sixty. <clears throat> the Coming up real soon, hopefully in the next month and a half, the 40 Yard Dash, the Daryl Green 40 Yard Dash Challenge app on your Apple phone will be coming out. Uh, and we will be able to run the 40 and you'll be able to be challenged, challenge your friends. And so I can't tell you, but I will show you in, in a little while. And and I, matter of fact, I'll even challenge you. You'll go outside and you'll run it as well. And we'll see each other in our race. And it'll be fun. And I think you'll like it. But I'm thinking it's going to be in the four or five range. That's what I'm hoping for. Maybe better. But at 60, you know. It's uh, pretty wife, damn good. My wife says, you know, people say, man, you know, you, 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 you look the same or you lost weight or whatever. I'm like, look, I'm the same. I just don't have any muscles. <laughs> and that also goes for my legs. And so you have to have strength and muscles to run. So I am about to start getting into something. Look you know, at those. These, these things. Some guns. Little, little peanuts. This is a barn there. What they call it? What they used to call them? They slingshot. Rubber band. But yeah, I, you know, I want to try to be in that four or five range. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uniquely gifted. God has blessed me. I say that humbly. God has really did bless me from a physical running and, and so forth standpoint. You know, I just think well, all I'm going to do is try to use it to be a blessing. So, that, that's fantastic. Hey, you one, you brought up Buddy Ryan. I'm going to end on this one, but the body bag game. What do you remember about that game? And then also, like <laughs> Joe has said, that he that he felt like that game served as the maybe the um, – defining moment to help the 91 team go on to win the Super Bowl. What do you remember about that? Well, what he's, you said Joe said that? Yes. Yeah, what he's alluding to is what he did at halftime. Uh, <clears throat> you know, when he came in there at halftime, we, and my, you know, I don't remember everything, but I remember we were pretty much had already clinched a playoff spot. I don't think the body back game was a playoff spot. No, that that was, so that was like later. You were going to play. Him. It really didn't count or matter to us we were already in but rolling into the playoffs and any level of complacency or pride it was a right it was awesome for him to take advantage for that moment kind of like what we were talking about here that in that moment dude we really are okay if we lose this game but you guys need to not approach games this way for where we're heading into. You can't turn it on and off. And so he took that halftime 
and dude, he was he was he was a he had done something he had never done. He really, and I don't mean in a bad way, but he he came at us in a at a different way that I think was an eye opener for us. I, don't, I think we obviously lost the game, uh, ultimately lost the game, but but the way he took advantage of that moment, I think that did catapult us on through, because we were not take we were you know we wasn't taking things serious. So for, and I may be wrong, but that's the way I remember it that. Yes, we lost, but that halftime, his speech did get us where we needed to be. And obviously that's the game that they just, you know, Reggie White and those guys were in our in our offensive huddle with fingers in our face. And Brian Mitchell finished up at quarterback and they just, they killed us. That's why they call it the body bag game because guys were dropping like flies. But that wasn't the point. The point was we wasn't us. We wasn't us. And I think his philosophy or his thought was that, oh, so you guys think y'all are this that arrogant? You win the playoffs, and you're just gonna wait and go kick butt in the playoffs. And I think that was a good, it was a great moment for us. Daryl, thank you very much, man. Always, right. always enjoy talking to you. Always good catching up with you, man. Thanks a lot, and continue with the good work. Take care, babe. Take care. After this break, I'll be back to answer your Therapy Thursday questions. Will we see Dwayne Haskins again? I used to love making all of my own spices. Now I love reaching for one of Dizzy Pig's craft seasonings. Based in Manassas, Virginia, they grind their spice combinations daily, and it's easy to see why they've built a loyal following over the past 20 years. Dizzy Pig owner Chris Capel has won 15 championships on the Pro Barbecue Tour using only their products. And I've heard from other pitmasters on the Barbecue Tour that insist on Dizzy Pig. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. Just recently, I cooked a ribeye with their cow lick seasoning. Fantastic flavor. My wife really likes the mole and the Peruvian, and the popular Dizzy Dust is truly all-purpose. If you're cooking turkey during the holidays, you have to use their Mad Max Turkey Rub. It's seasonal, so you can buy it now until January. With 27 different blends, there is a seasoning for just about any recipe or cooking technique. Get 15% off your online order shipped in the U.S. if you use the coupon KIME15, that's K-E-I-M-15, at DizzyPigBBQ.com. That's D-I-Z-Z-Y-P-I-G-B-B-Q.com. Welcome back. The doctor is in, so let's get to it. All right, Strict9 wants to know, have you heard from other folks whose opinions you respect that Scott Turner is struggling? A few national folks said it after Baltimore now that the Rams debacle has happened. Fans are saying it. Right, well, he's a coordinator who has now called five games in Washington after a brutal offseason. I know that I don't want to use an excuse. I look at Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland. They're kind of rolling. Better talent on that roster, though. Um, I know it took Sean McVay a while. Some fans wanted to run first Kyle Shanahan out of town and then McVay. Not all, but my timeline has the receipts. That said, I'm clearly not putting Turner in their category. Those guys were different. Heck, to be honest, I haven't even met Turner since his hiring because of the pandemic. It's all by Zoom or by phone when we've in the, in the, or by a conference call. I mean, I know Chris Cooley has had problems with the design of this offense. He told Kevin Sheehan that on Kevin's podcast this week. I know he's been critical of him. And you're right, some national folks have. He doesn't like, Cooley doesn't like, for example, how on some crossing routes versus zone, the players don't sit in an open area and just keep running. I also know that in the Cleveland and Baltimore games, there was stuff available. If not for a five turnover game against the Browns, I think they win that game. I think that's pretty safe to say. And it wasn't the, the, the excuse me, it wasn't the design of the play that led to the interceptions, it was the execution. And against Baltimore, I think I feel like there was a lot available in both the run and the pass game that was missed. However, when Cooley's breaking it down, he's doing it at a different level. And he's doing it based on certain concepts that he's known over the years. And he played for, he knows McVay. He played for those guys. He played for Kyle Shanahan. So he knows what he's talking about. So I do pay a lot of attention to what Chris said um, and certainly others who have played the game. Um, but Chris's word in this case carries a lot of weight with me. Um, I just know that when you look at this roster, it's really not fit for success on offense just right now. And that and I that's not a you know excuse. That's what I've been saying for months and months and months. Um, but I do think that there's a lot of work that needs to be done here. All right, Disco 
says, how active do you think the Washington football team will be at the trade deadline? Do you see or foresee a situation like Gruden with the Raiders and a massive purge for picks? It's hard to envision some massive purge. You have to have guys worth purging. But one I'd wonder about, Ryan Kerrigan. It's the last year of his contract, and they have young pass rushers that they want to develop behind the starters. And I could see him wanting to play for contender if it doesn't appear that he's in their future. And at this point, I'd question if he is. Given his age, his base salary of $11.5 million this season, I don't know if he'd bring a lot in return. It depends on the role another team would see. I would envision a contender would see him as a part-time pass rusher. Um, but who knows? Um, beyond that, you're not going to purge the roster of young guys unless you just don't feel like you can sign them in a couple years or whatever. And what other veterans are you gonna, would another team trade for? After that Eagles win in the season opener, I asked an NFC scout about Washington, and his comment was, they're not going to win a lot of games. They just don't have the talent. So for that, for those reasons, I think it's hard to envision a big purge. But maybe you get something else um, coming back for something. We'll see. Andy Sipowitz wants to know. You said, and I agree, that the old line wasn't playing too badly in the last couple. Well, he said the first in the first games. I said the last two games against LA, they were porous. But we see very few um, two back or two tight end sets. Hardly any play action. Surely QBs need more protection. Well, yes, and as far as the play action goes, that's been a surprise to me because in Carolina, they did a lot of it under, under Turner, both Norv and Scott Turner. Um, I know there was some, and I think, I think that's going to um, um, get, I think that will change. I, I will say like last week, you're not running play action when you're down by 10, 20 points consistently in, that, in those conditions. Just, you're just not going to run a lot. So I want to see how that goes moving forward with Kyle Allen in there versus Dwayne Haskins, but they were not among the top teams in play action. That's what they were in Carolina. So let's see. I know there was some frustration that there wasn't a better plan to handle Aaron Donald. Too often he was left in one-on-one situations. In previous games that I had watched, he was more often than not doubled or even tripled. He did not get this many one-on-ones. Some, there were a couple times I felt that Alex Smith could have got thrown the ball quicker, but it was not a good day for the protection. And I do agree with you know, maybe need, there were times where you're looking at it and there's five rushers and five blockers and you don't have a lot of guys that can win one-on-one battles up there. I just, I think they would play better the previous couple of weeks, but I felt like they played better in unison, not necessarily individually, but as a group. And I think that's what you saw the other day. It became about individual play and that individual play broke down. Um, you know, again, and it, but there were some times in the, in the protection that I felt like it was a tight end's fault. You saw, I saw the backs have a couple issues on some blitzes once in a while. It's an uneven line. In the previous week, they played well. They, you know, the last week, there were flaws showed up. Jaron Christian was getting moved back, for example. Ron Rivera wasn't happy with the guards. I like what I've seen from Wes Schweitzer in the run game, but the pass game is not his strength. So you add it up. Yes, there was problems. And yes, I think it's something worth watching. And yes, I think there was definite frustration by some people, you know, that you heard that they're about the, the lack of a plan to, to stop Aaron Donald. Um, okay, and Skins1 wants to know, he asked this question last week, but how do these leaks happen even with new people in charge? This can be a bit complicated, and oftentimes those leaks are authorized. So in other words, you want you know the message you want out there, and you you okay somebody saying it. I, I think here it happens a lot because there's always mismatched parts. And you start So you know maybe something goes on, you start letting people that you know from the past about what's going on. Here, there's always a new coach coming in to deal with the sins of the past. And more often than not, those sins include a quarterback, the owner that wanted and wasn't the guy that maybe they wanted. Sometimes the leaks occur because there are holdovers mixed with newcomers. Their ways might clash. Uh, more often than not, leaks occur when people are unhappy. And at this place, that happens quite often and they're willing to talk. Um, I also think that coaches who come from smaller markets don't always understand the microscope they're in here. And I'm not just including the head coach, I'm including all of them. This isn't some hard-charging media market necessarily where you got all these jackals circling like vultures, but it is one that has a lot of really good reporters. It's also big. So some of these leaks become more amplified than they would in, say, Jacksonville or Tampa. So, you know, it's part of the job for me to get these, to, to have these leaks. Um, and you can, I can usually tell where they're coming from if it's not my story. Um, you know, they're, they're part of the business. I do think they happen more here probably because, again, for the reasons I mentioned. Big John 1906 wants to know, where's Deron Payne this year? With the shift to penetrating upfield scheme, I expect him to be more of a playmaker. 
Um, and he alluded, you know, talks about Ron alluding to players being stubborn about changing. Is Payne one of them? Um, well, I think all the diggy linemen, or especially at least the holdovers, are having their troubles with the new techniques being taught by new coach Sam Mills. Those linemen loved Jim Tomsula and learned a ton from him. And I would just say there's a reluctance to buy into what Mills is selling so far. Keep in mind with both Payne and Allen, they were very good in the two-gap system. It's what they played at Alabama as well as here up until this year. It takes time to just get good at something after years of doing it another way. I don't feel that this line is the issue at all. The group has not been dominant, but I think it's the back seven that's killing this D. But I do think that they're all still going undergoing an adjustment period, and I don't think it's always been smooth. All right, Stephen Bradford wants to know, Alex Smith was not particularly good in 2018, doesn't appear to be football ready. Um, there is no possible way he's on the roster next year at his $20 million salary as a legitimate option at age 37. That's a question. I'll keep this one short, Stephen. I have a hard time seeing, seeing it as well. They'll save around $13 million next season by cutting him. He's not the future here, and, you, and there will be some interesting options available, whether in free agency or perhaps a draft. Barring Smith finding lightning in a bottle if he plays again this season, it's hard to imagine him really being in their plans. I just, I'd have a difficult time envisioning that, as good as a story as he is. Matt Cash wants to know if current the current QB duo wets the bed this week and this team is then 1-5 and five and realistically out of the playoff race and Dwayne sets better example of practice the next couple weeks, any chance he's thrown back in after the bye? Well, you've probably been a fan long enough to know that anything can happen here and usually does. Haskins definitely has to show them he's willing to mature as a worker when it comes to the daily grind of being a franchise quarterback. I think it's great to say you want to be a Hall of Fame quarterback, but the Hall of Famers don't say it, they live it. So until he starts living it, the only way he'll get back in is through injury. But yes, if he starts doing all that, then sure, he can do it. He's got to be the first one in the building. He's got to be the last one out. He's got to stay after practice to work on his game. He starts doing that in a few weeks, and they see it, and they see that he really wants to keep that going, then sure, I do think he'll get back in there. Brian Horst, how would you rank the QBs coming out of this year's draft? That's easy, Brian, from best to worst. That's how I always rank them. And I'm kidding aside, it's too early for that. We'll talk about that in the offseason. That's it for this week. A huge thanks to Daryl Green for joining me and Carlisha Hartzog for setting it up. And a big thanks to you for your questions and continued support of the show. Don't forget the sponsors, Lone Oak Coffee and Dizzy Pig Barbecue. Talk to you after the Giants game.